Hello, Blackhawks fans. Welcome into the Four Feathers podcast. I am Johnny Nani. I've got Tony Marchese with me tonight. Time to crack them and get caught up on the Hawks. going on Johnny Tony I'm doing pretty well um, a little bit of split weekend for the Hawks uh, that we're coming off of here I uh, got a lot of uh, topics uh, good stuff to uh, discuss here so looking forward to it with you man yeah absolutely Johnny we got to take in uh, one of those affairs together but uh, it was was a split weekend but it was a good weekend yeah and it was weird we'll, we'll get into some of the recaps of these kind of odd uh, trends that'll uh, go on uh, between these two games uh, between Detroit, but uh, luckily they ended it uh, on the high note with seven to two win and uh, the milestone marker uh, for Patrick Kane. We will get into all this, but before we do listeners, make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at four feathers pod and at ontap sportsnet. If you enjoy the podcast, please go subscribe rate, and review wherever you listen, and you'll get these podcasts right in your queue as soon as they drop. So, Tony, like I mentioned, a little bit extended episode here. I uh, haven't had one of these uh, for Four Feathers in a while. Been busy uh, with the post-game recaps, which have been fun. But, um, you know, always good to get on and talk about some extended topics, uh, air them out a little bit more, especially uh, since we have awesome happenings like Patrick Kane scoring his 400th career goal over the weekend. Yeah, Johnny. I, I like I like you mentioned, man. Uh, the post games are fun, but it's always good to just get into some of these topics and let uh, let guys like myself go off on rants about some of the stuff that we want to talk about because uh, we we don't have as much time to do that during the post games. But uh, excited to to talk about that. And you bring up the big one right off the bat, uh, Patrick Kane, four hundred. Man, I just got to come right out of the gate real early. I knew it was fucking over the minute the smelling salts came out. <laughs> yes, yes. I love that you uh, posted that gif. You saw Patrick Kane on the bench using those right before puck drop of that game on Sunday night on NBCSN. So, you know, showtime, primetime, smelling salts are out. Uh, you knew the milestone was coming and you knew the Hawks were going to win. Absolutely. And I think we just talked about that maybe on our last show, maybe two, two ago, post games all start to run together after a while, but I do remember you and I talking about the smelling salts. I was wondering if maybe that was a COVID thing that they didn't have them out there. You said other teams had them. Uh, that was the first smelling salts that I've seen on the Blackhawks bench all year. I'll be honest. Maybe I've missed one or two before, but that, that one was, it was just right there. The camera zoomed in on it. You saw Patrick King just go into another mode right after those smelling salts. And, uh, you know, he he played a hell of a hockey game on Sunday and, uh, you know, just drops in that number 400. I don't – I we wanted to see what kind of celebration he broke out. I was a little underwhelmed by it, a little underwhelmed. But 400 is a big goal. He is just something else, man. And, and the, the the titles have just been keep coming out uh, from the national media about – him being the the greatest American born player of all time. And uh, we could spend a significant portion of this podcast talking about that if you wanted to, because Holy shit, man, we, we are watching history unfold here in Chicago and have been for, for a long time. And I think we'll continue to do so. 
Yeah. And the first topic that we have here kind of segmented in our show, Tony, is Showtime. Just all caps, Showtime. That's what it is. Uh, we've already touched on some of that. I love that you brought up the smelling salts. Um, you know, Patrick Comiskey over at ontapsportsnet.com, he's a panelist on here, has been on as frequently this season, but he does excellent milestone articles. Um, I, I, you always know something good's happening with the Blackhawks when a Comiskey milestone article is coming up. Uh, and he put a lot of things into perspective for Patrick Kane as we're talking about him here in our Showtime segment. And that's, um, you know, for other players, this might be the biggest goal of their career or whatever. But what does Patrick Kane do after when they interview him? He says it makes you want more. And that's the mentality that he has right now. And Patrick Comiskey put it best at the end of his article. With Jonathan Taves likely out for the year, the Blackhawks are in good hands with Patrick Kane as their leader. Yeah, I mean, you're just bringing up the Taves stuff, and that hurts a little bit considering the run that this team's been on. But I talked about this after uh, the last postgame show we did heading into the weekend and the leadership that uh, Patrick Kane uh, has provided this team. And and it it comes off the ice, too. Uh, You see it on the ice with incredible goals, uh, assists, just, you know, on the score sheet, it seems like almost every single night. Uh, But he has taken on such another role this year for this team, Johnny, that's so important. And if you missed that post-game show, uh, the the too-long-didn't-read version of this is Patrick Kane has really stepped up from where he was a long time ago back on this team where they didn't see him as a leader to where he is today. Um, and if, if, if I had to pick a captain right now, um, no disrespect to – uh, the guys like Duncan Keith who are on this team, but this is Patrick Kane's team. This is the first time where you've seen this Hawks team be Patrick Kane's team, Johnny. Uh, he's always had a great supporting cast. He's always had always had a bunch of other veterans around him. Uh, you know, Brent Seabrooks uh, hasn't played a game yet this year. Host is long gone. Crawford's gone now. Jonathan Taves is not is probably not playing this year. Uh, even Kirby Dock, a new young leader. This is Patrick Kane's team. And, you know, the the amount of wins that they've piled up, they might not all be on the back of Patrick Kane, but I would say a large majority of them are. And the only reason that they're, they are where they are right now, besides the fact that the young guys are playing, is that they're buying into supporting Patrick Kane and, and, and you know, his leadership abilities and what he's doing on the ice. It's impressive stuff, Johnny. It's extremely impressive. And, you know, performance matters. And that's, you know, what he that's what he does. That's all Patrick Kane does is perform Uh, to put some of this in perspective numbers wise. um, Patrick Kane obviously leads the Blackhawks in points this year. 11 goals, 23 assists, good for 34 points, uh, you know, by far uh, by nine points, the leader uh, on the Blackhawks team. And he is also now third in Hart Trophy odds at eight to one behind only Connor McDavid, who is McJesus, and Austin Matthews, who is just racking goals up like crazy for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So um, the the stats back it up, the numbers back it up, uh, the leadership, the way that he talks and carries himself uh, demeanor-wise around the young guys and, you know, both publicly into the media and then I would assume in the locker room as well, uh, they would not be having this level of success if it were not for a, you know, veteran leader like Patrick Kane, uh, you know, kind of driving the ship there. Yeah, I think, man, the, the, just the crazy thing about it is, is I never thought we'd be having this discussion. I never thought we'd be having the discussion of Patrick Kane, the leader of the Blackhawks, because of the role that Jonathan Taves has played here so long. And it, it just makes you wonder a little bit, Johnny, if you want to go off on on random topics and, and air some of this stuff out, you know, I'll pose the question to you. 
did Jonathan Taves presence over the course of Patrick Kane's Blackhawks tenure prevent him from, from being the leader that he is showing right now? And if he was elsewhere, would he be a captain in the NHL? That's a very, very good question, Tony. And I mean, there's a lot to think about there, right? Because there's the formality of it. Okay, Jonathan Taves, youngest captain in Blackhawks history, named that, you know, from the get-go. He was the Conn Smythe winner of that first Stanley Cup run. So you're like, okay, yeah, absolutely. That's the right choice. And, you know, he's the center. Patrick Kane's the wing. You know, he adds, sure, the scoring flair, but Taves does all the dirty work, kills penalties, does all this. So, you know, early on, it was kind of no question. Like, yeah, it is Jonathan Taves uh, is the leader of this team. And Patrick Kane, obviously, you need him. But I, I think we have driven now to the point and you know uh, external circumstances bring us to even have this uh, discussion Tony about uh, would Patrick Kane be a captain elsewhere and I think uh, very much so yes I look at a team like the Buffalo Sabres um, yeah sure Jack Eichel's your captain kind of a situation where they needed you know the top guy uh, to be that guy and they're still struggling and whatever so if Patrick Kane went and played for his hometown Buffalo Sabres undoubtedly uh, would be the captain. So did Jonathan Taves presence drive that down? Um, Perhaps, but I also think it's part of Patrick Kane growing into a new mold. What he just became a dad uh, in this past off season. Uh, It's not the same, you know, kid, Patrick Kane, the uh, going and getting drunk at uh, UW Madison bars uh, and Cinco de Mayo. Uh, It's it's not the same uh, kind of party boy Kane. I think that's how people viewed him uh, in his early years here. Um, and to, to an extent, he, he was uh, when you when you see stuff like that going on. Um, but I think it's both a maturation thing for Patrick Kane and then uh, just the circumstances that were out of uh, his control, the Blackhawks control and out of Jonathan Taves control uh, that are leading us to this right now. So I guess to answer your question, very long winded there, Tony. Uh, but yeah, I think he would be a captain elsewhere. And Taves, um, just in the formality sense, probably did um, prevent Patrick Kane from becoming a leader earlier on. Yeah, no, I like where you went with that. And I think that you bring up some pretty valid points when we talk about, you know, new chapters in his life and where he's at. And uh, he's a new dad. He's a little bit older than he was uh, 10 years ago. Uh, and and those mentalities do change. I think that's normal over the course of everybody, whether or not you're a professional athlete or, or not. Um, as you grow in your career, you become a leader or you become, uh, you know, excellent at your craft, but out of the leadership roles, uh, people take different career paths and and we're watching Patrick Kane's kind of veteran, you know, late stages of the career, I would say kind of develop. And I I like seeing this because, um, you know, it's, it's just that much more value add for the Blackhawks right now. Uh, the one thing that, that does slightly concern me, um, and this is a good concern to have, this isn't something that I'm losing sleep over is, if, if Patrick Kane does, Johnny, you know, wind up the top player in the league at the end of the year, the Blackhawks make the playoffs, maybe win a series or two, and these guys have all bought into, you know, Patrick Kane and, and you know, being without Jonathan Taves, what kind of struggle does that put on Jonathan Taves to return, say he returns next year, and just kind of the, the overall mentality? Because we have not seen Jonathan Taves around the team either. And I don't know if – if this wasn't a pandemic year, and this is total tinfoil hat time theory, Johnny, but if this wasn't a pandemic year, would Jonathan Taves be in the suites? Would he be on the bench with Jeremy Carlton in a suit? Would he be around this team right now, even through his health issues? Would he be around the team right now, around practice, around all that stuff, still there to deliver his message? But what, what happens when Jonathan Taves comes back and all the young guys – who are, who are new to this team. You're talking Ian Mitchell. You're talking, you know, some, some of those other guys who are on the wings who just came over, you know, P. Suter. You know, these guys who have now bought into 
Patrick Kane as their on ice leader and locker room leader, and Jonathan Taves try to step back in, is there going to be you know, you know, power struggle shifts in the locker room? Does Kane just hand over and and go back to what he was doing before? It's an interesting mentality that I think like we could see some storylines play out within the Blackhawks organization uh, in the in the not not so you know near future, but in the in the not so distant future at the same time. So to answer your question, I would have to be a fly on the wall in the United Center offices and in Fifth Third Arena at the practices and uh, in the suites and in the locker room and all of that. So I can't, I, can't, I can't fully do that. I would love to. It would be, you know, just juicy stuff uh, to be able to know. Uh, but first of all, to, just going back to the beginning of all this, Jonathan Taves himself, uh, would he be around um, if it wasn't a pandemic year? That's a good question. I don't know where the hell he is. Is he up in Winnipeg? Where he, you know, is based out of? Is, is he just there? I can totally see that. And then you have the, you know, the travel issues, the COVID issues. If he's not actually participating, all of that, um, you know, th- that could be a thing. So he, he could just be out of the country, and that's why he's not around. And obviously, he can't play right now, so there's no purpose for him to be there. Uh, but then you see other stuff like you, it's a good point like Brent Seabrook for those early ones. I don't know if he's been there as of late, but in the early ones, he's up there in the suite watching Kirby Doc is sitting on the bench at practice in street clothes, but watching him, um, you know, and working out at the, at the facility and doing what he can. It really is like an obscure situation. And it's like, did Jonathan Taves just go kind of zero dark 30 on us? Uh, You know, that's kind of like where we're at right now, just because we haven't seen anything. And I think the not knowing uh, leads to all sorts of speculation and kind of uh, what we're doing here now, as for the inner team dynamics, um, I don't think it would be an issue um, if he were to come back at some point and, and to integrate that um, and that he would be accepted back into the locker room, no doubt. I mean, him and Patrick Kane, think about all that they've been through together. Uh, one, you know, little 23 game run of success here doesn't negate that, uh, even if some dynamics have changed uh, both on the ice and in the leadership structure there. So it, it wouldn't be like he wouldn't be welcome back, but for the roles that they serve, uh, both on ice and then voice in the locker room, I think it would kind of be more of a tag team effort, Tony. That At least that's what I'd like. I'd like to believe, but then also uh, there are kind of egos that everybody has it, um, you know, subconsciously can certainly always come out. So that could be an issue, um, definitely a concern, but I think Jonathan Taves is a consummate professional and uh, Patrick Kane now with his new uh, mature status of where he's at uh, would be accommodating and willing to accommodate. And, you know, obviously Taves would be back. He is the C there's reason that, you know, they don't strip him of it when he's not playing and put the C on someone else's chest. That ain't how it works in hockey. So yes, formality, he would, be back um i think it would just be a little bit more tag team effort um but once again this is all speculation and that's just how i would see it playing out how about you yeah that's kind of where i am too i mean i could put some like doomsday scenarios in everybody's head with this whole thing obviously but i don't really want to particularly go down that path i think these guys have played together for so long during their careers it does it does make me a little bit nervous to see how that that dynamic will, will unfold once once everybody's back together and I, I hope for that outcome um that's I think what everybody's hoping for I think that there's there's an enormous amount of of leadership roles that have been on this team for so long you're talking going back to guys like Patrick Sharp as well uh in this whole fold here so I don't think that there's any team out there in the NHL that that wouldn't want to have multiple leaders throughout the locker room there's there's plenty of that to go around I think the, the Jonathan Tapes has been such an excellent leader and even Patrick Kane has looked up to him throughout the course of his career. And I think that, you know, if I'm talking with, you know, the most sense in my brain that I possibly can, it tells me that 
Patrick Kane's going to welcome Jonathan Taves back to the team with open arms, and Jonathan Taves steps back to that 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 captain's role, and things continue where they were every single other year that those two have taken the ice together in the Indian head. So it, it just the one thing that's really surprising, though, Johnny, is the fact that, like I said before, we're talking about leader Patrick Kane. We're talking about veteran Patrick Kane. We're talking about the guy who is in control of this team right now and the primary driver of its destiny. And go back to the greatest American born player topic. And I look at a year like this, where he's still putting up these numbers, still doing, you know, prime of his career shit. And he doesn't have the same supporting cast. But it doesn't look like Patrick Kane has missed a beat, even as he ages. And so that just makes him all the more impressive to me and just solidifies some of those arguments. Like, we don't even have to look at stats sheets upon stat sheets and go back in history. We just know by watching Patrick Kane the way we do and the way that he performs on the ice and where the Hawks have been, even through what we expected to be a rebuilding year that we thought the minute we heard about the Kirby Dock injury and the fact that we didn't have a proven NHL goaltender or the fact that Jonathan Taves was going to be missing a significant amount of time. Like I don't think there's one Hawks fan in their right mind who sat there and said, this team would be in a playoff position almost near halfway through the season on the back of Patrick Kane alone. We've said on this show multiple times, if there's one reason to watch the Blackhawks, it's for Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane has done more than enough to give all the Hawks fans this season a reason to watch. Yeah, you put it very well there, and you're speaking a lot to Patrick Kane, and I, I don't need to go and rehash all those points because uh, what you just said, all very legitimate there. Um, one thing that I will uh, kind of say for this whole mix of what you know leadership would be when it comes back, uh, I, I go back to some on-ice things, and Jonathan Taves is still missed. Look, the Blackhawks are 47% at the dot this year. Jonathan Taves coming back immediately helps that big time. But you get a top-line center. There's always a need for that there. The scoring production itself, I mean, you, you could go and look at this list. Patrick Kane, obviously, with the 34 points. Alex Dabrinkit with the 25 points. Dominic Kubelik, 18, drops off after that. Matthias Janmark, Pius Suter, both at 12 there, uh, and it keeps dwindling down after that. So pretty ta- pretty damn top-heavy. You can get another one of your top big heavy hitters back in there. Uh, Jonathan Taves would be welcome back, no problem. So from an on-ice, uh, you know, kind of numbers perspective, too, um, he's definitely missed, uh, but it, it's, you know, kind of crazy to think that uh, Patrick Kane's carrying him through this whole thing uh, on his back alone, like you had mentioned. Yeah, it's impressive. I don't think we there's any other word for it. I mean, this 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 segment here, Showtime, Johnny. I mean, it, it the the highlight reels that will be watched of Patrick Kane 20, 30 years into the future are going to be, you know, just as as prevalent within hockey history as some of the all-time greats that that we watch today. I mean, it's you're past the point where you're like Patrick Kane Hall of Famer, like that that's done. That's over. There will never be another player that wears 88 and the Indian head sweater ever again. Like we, we've already achieved all the accolades. If Patrick Kane were to retire today, it would be done over, signed, sealed. He's in the Hall of Fame as soon as he's eligible. They're retiring his number. It's done. It's over. Yet this guy still seemingly has at least a couple of years. I'd say maybe five, five more years, if if not more where he's going to be an NHL player who is productive. And that's if he continues to stay healthy um, and and barring any, uh, you know, status in his personal life that makes him want to hang it up. But you're already talking about a guy, Johnny, who is, who has achieved so much 
I mean, like there, there really isn't a question to me that he's not going to be like top three in almost every Hawks forward record. Um, and not even that, like we're, we're starting to get into the NHL record book. Mm-hmm. So like, man, it's, it's just so impressive to watch. It's, it's only going to continue. Um, I just hope this man finishes his career in, in the Indian head. And I don't see a reason why he wouldn't at this point. I don't either. I, I don't think that's a question. I think the organization will do right by, you know, it, it's, it was kind of tough with Crawford, obviously, but they had a decision to make. They were at a pivot point. Um, I think Patrick Kane determines your pivot point going forward um, on the rest of his career. And just supplementary point uh, to kind of back up what you were saying about how he can keep doing this. Um, Christopher Stieg had a quote, and uh, I believe it was through uh, NHL and NBC Sports. Um, I'm kind of paraphrasing here. But basically he said that Patrick Kane was playing the modern style today's game back 15 years ago when he entered the league. Um, you know, before anyone else is doing it. And that style is what will allow him to keep doing this for years to come. So I thought that was interesting. A good nod from Christopher Stee, who does some stuff for Sportsnet up in Canada now. I'm always good seeing him on the broadcast. Always expecting a rap to come out um, from him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that, that I saw that and it's like very true. Uh, but, you know, Steger put it uh, rather eloquently. I was just paraphrasing there. Yeah, I didn't see that quote, Johnny. I honestly, I missed that one. But it's it's actually true. If you if you go back and you look at Patrick Kane's style of play, a lot of people when he came in the league said he was going to be too small, um, you know. But he was just just a prolific goal scorer and, and more of a pass first guy than a shoot guy uh, when he was coming on in. And yet, like at that time, the league was a little bit different. Teams were built a lot stronger than they are now. And when I say stronger, it was more physical. Uh, and one of the big problems for the Blackhawks back in like the 2010 uh, through 2015 cup runs was the fact that they would get beat up enough. Remember, you talk about the Anaheim Duck series. We're just going to we're just going to pound them into submission. No, no humans can withstand this amount of hits. And yet Patrick Kane and the Blackhawks prevail and they're still doing it right now. And we're looking at teams in the league right now, like the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are built just completely on speed and who will who will run and gun you up and down the ice and play this finesse game that the Hawks were playing back before it was even popular. And that was on the back of Patrick Kane. That was Patrick Kane. The only reason the Hawks had the ability to play that game was because they had a guy like Patrick Kane on the ice to drive that type of play. And the the, the model going into the future for hockey after, after the NHL caught up to speed with the Blackhawks was let's build this on a bunch of short, fast wingers who can get up and down the ice, take those stretch passes, get in, hold the puck, create time and space, enough for you to shoot. Now, the Hawks weren't always great on the power play or some of the special team stuff. They had guys that could win faceoffs and get Patrick Kane the puck. So, yes, you're right. The reason that Patrick Kane is going to continue to do this, and I, I guess I'm saying you're right to Christopher Stieg, is, is the fact that he is the modern day NHL player. He just arrived five to 10 years before the NHL was able to catch up with it. So that's, that's a really cool quote. I love it. I think this whole episode could be called showtime, Tony, and we can go on that. Uh, but there are a few other topics of discussion. I do want to wrap up Patrick Kane's uh, segment here on the show uh, by saying that he was named the second star of the week. Uh, NHL announced those today, uh, three goals, five assists in four games, obviously the milestone marker on national TV to cap it all off. Um, just, you know, a dominant play and carrying the Blackhawks through, you know, when you look at that, that's great for Patrick Kane's uh, individual numbers, but the Blackhawks went three and one in that stretch. So, you know, Patrick Kane's doing well. Blackhawks are winning. It's good shit. I've got one last thing to close this out, and this only comes off the back of our guy, Ron Luce. I think it was in the Four Feathers chat saying it didn't feel right that Pat Foley 
uh, wasn't on the call for Kane's 400th. And I'm actually going to take a hard segment uh, off of that or segue off of that and go back to uh, Doc Emmerich was interviewed uh, the other day about one call that he would rather have back and that he'd like to have back in his career. Johnny, I know you tweeted this out from the Four Feathers account. We talked about this a little bit before uh, since we're doing an extended show. Uh, Doc Emmerich uh, decided that if he could have one call back, it was going to be the uh, 2010 Stanley Cup uh, game winner from uh, Patrick Kane, who we're talking about right now. And uh, I just have to have the uh, opportunity on the show to say, if you have not listened to uh, that interview with Doc Emmerich, uh, we can go. You can go back on the Four Feathers account and find it. But it's also it was uh, tweeted by NHL uh, on NBC. Um, absolutely magical discussion with Doc. And I mean, if there if you're a hockey fan and don't enjoy the 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 voice of Doc Emmerich, uh, you know, just pumping through the speakers in your house uh, while the hockey game's going on, I don't think you're a hockey fan. So uh, go listen to that one. It's always a great time. Uh, when you hear his voice, and it's one of the uh, the most missed voices coming out of my television behind uh, White Sox broadcaster Hawk Harrelson. Uh, but this thing was awesome. Johnny, I know you loved it. I know most of our panelists loved it. If you're listening to this show, go back and listen to that. I'm not going to try and give anything away. Uh, but, yeah, I agreed with Ron. It was weird not seeing Foley call that. Uh, but the Hawks have been blessed with some magical moments with some of the best broadcasters in hockey. We're talking Eddie O, we're talking, uh, you know, the radio team. You're talking Foley. Uh, you're talking big moments with Emmerich uh, that are going to go down in hockey history. And, and uh, I'm a big fan of the uh, the voices that come with the memories in sports. That's why we watch them, uh, because they're magical. This was this was magical. Go listen to it. Johnny, if you got anything to say on that one. Uh, that's yep. the last I've got to say about uh, Kane and this whole thing. Yeah, well, well put. I mean, the, the call was awesome when Doc redid it. And it's actually a full documentary. They aired it before the second game of that Lake Tahoe weekend when they had uh, both outdoor games out there. And it's called Doc Emmerich, the voice of hockey. So that just doubles down on your point that, you know, if you're a hockey fan, you don't enjoy Doc Emmerich, then you're just not a hockey fan because uh, he is the voice of hockey. And yes, that was the uh, goal that he would like uh, to have back uh, and do a recall of. And he did do a recall of it within the documentary. So uh, the clip is out there on uh, NHL and NBC Sports. And uh, if you can find the documentary, I'm sure uh, they have reruns of it, um, airing at various times. And you'd probably be able to find it online uh, somewhere. I'd imagine uh, they would upload that. It's about a 40, 45 minute piece. So uh, yeah, all good stuff there, um, you know, and it's awesome that the Blackhawks have been in the national spotlight uh, to be able to receive some of that from uh, national attention. But I agree, would have been cool to hear Foley calling it. Um, at least there is, you know, always a radio call. And um, like, you know, we could say that we would love to hear Foley call, thir- uh, excuse me, 17 seconds. And I think he did do a re, uh, you know, kind of a dub over of that um, not too long after they'd won that 2013 Cup. Um, but, you know, you still get John Weidman on the radio calls. So um, that, that's pretty special but yeah uh, would, it would have been cool to hear how uh fully kind of uh did it but i did enjoy uh, on the national broadcast tony i will say the uh that's hockey baby interlaced in there that's good soundbite so at, le- at least we got that i can take that as a uh kind of um you know uh secondary trophy there <laughs> it was and my only response to ron right now is did you want patrick kane to wait another game to score that goal did you or did you celebrate it just as hard? That's my only question for you, Ron Luce. Ron can't be on tonight, uh, but, you know, I hope you're listening back, Ron. And let us know. Let us know. So, um, yeah, a great, a great Showtime segment there, Tony. Uh, totally necessary. Glad we got to air this out and just talk about how important Patrick Kane is and some, uh, you know, uh, kind of 
burning questions uh, that come with new leadership roles uh, on this team. So let's transition into a guy that I had kind of mentioned earlier in passing. But another reason for the Blackhawks' early success is the Alex DeBrincat rescue in the cat bounce back season. We called it. We got on this show for the season preview show, Tony, and we had all agreed it's going to be a bounce-back season for Alex Dubrinkit. Well, what has Alex Dubrinkit done in his bounce-back season? He is currently second on the Blackhawks in points. 11 goals, 14 assists, 25 points through 19 games. That's not all of the Blackhawks games. If you remember, he was sidelined with COVID for a little bit. But what I'm driving at here is Alex Dubrinkit bouncing back is a big reason uh, why the Blackhawks are able to win these games because guess what? You know, you can talk about defense, structure, all that stuff in the day you got to score more goals than the other team to win. Uh, and we saw some crazy wild ones, uh, six, five games uh, that the Blackhawks end up, you know, pulling out, even though it wasn't their best overall effort. And guys like Alex Dabrinkit are chipping in uh, for those types of games. So our guy Schwartzy over at Tap Sportsnet made an excellent edit, uh, just like the Tiger King Big Cat Rescue. It's Alex Dabrinkit Rescue and uh, just the, the cat bounce back season in full effect here, Tony. I'm loving it, and I'm glad we were right about this. I am too, Johnny. And this is something that, uh, you know, the Alex DeBrinkett stuff is stuff that I've been, I guess you could say, hot and bothered on uh, for the last two years. Because you're talking about another guy who comes into the league with the same kind of, you know, Patrick Kane-esque, this guy's too small. Uh, he's not going to be able to be effective, but he he can he knows how to score a goal. Now, is Alex DeBrinkett Patrick Kane? Absolutely not. Is he ever going to be at that level? I don't think so. But the guy knows how to do one thing. He knows how to do one thing well, and that's score goals. And if there's one thing that we like on Four Feathers, Johnny, it's when players put put the fucking puck in the back of the net. You know, and Alex DeBrinkett, that's his job. And last year, we didn't see him do that quite enough. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have this bounce back season for him uh, because we don't really know if there's – I guess if there's one guy – who is in the supporting cast of, of, I guess, what you would call now veterans, who has an extremely important role on this team, and you're not quite sure if he's going to be consistent enough to be a star player for you or if he's just going to kind of float in and out of that conversation. It's Alex to break it, right? Because we, we did have a down year. But everything he's done this year so far has signified that the, the original version of Alex to break it that you saw when he came into the league is true. This guy knows how to find the back of the net. He's dangerous. He commands attention when he's on the ice. Those are important things. And we've seen him do that game in, game out so far this year. And you're right. He also missed some time with COVID. And he's still putting up good numbers. We've seen him bounce back to, I guess, in my opinion, if I'm evaluating the team right now, he's bounced back enough to say, like, we're sufficient right now. We're good. Johnny, uh, and the the results have have proven that thus far. Yeah, and, and you know, just talk about the pace that he's on the, through 19 games, the 11 goals. That, that's great. And last year, through 70 games, only scored 18. That's obviously why everybody was concerned uh, in that year after he signed the big extension. And uh, now he's definitely going to surpass that. I mean, we're not even halfway through uh, the entirety of this 2021 weird 56 game campaign. Um, so obviously the grand total is going to be a 41, uh, like his stellar 18, 19 season that kind of earned him that contract or the, you know, maybe, maybe 28 uh, like the first year. Um, but that was a full 82 game season and he played in every single one of those games there. So, um, but just appreciate the pace that he's on for this uh, because this is exactly what the Blackhawks needed with the production 
addition of Jonathan Taves and Kirby Doc missing from the lineup. Um, now that I've mentioned those names, uh, we can kind of even go back into a leadership discussion here with Alex Debrinkit, Tony, because if you've noticed, Blackhawks fans, they've been splitting alternate captains. Patrick Kane is a constant, always has the A. Duncan Keith is a constant, always has the A. There's still one other A out there to be worn. And on the road, it goes to Connor Murphy, but at home, it goes to Alex Debrinkit. In his fourth NHL season, and he's already taking on this type of role, Tony. Um, speak about how important that is for a young and up-and-coming team. Hey, I go back to that leadership stuff, Johnny, and this is why I talk about Alex Brinkett kind of being on the on the fringe of, uh, you know, a part of a core in, in a team or a guy that can kind of fall out. And I think he kind of gets that A a little bit um, thrown on him, kind of half and half, because – You've seen what you can get out of Alex to break it. You, I think you kind of know where that top level of performance is right now. And can you break through that ceiling? Yes, possibly. But he's been around this team long enough, and he's been in, in the, the core group, the I guess your top six forward group, long enough to uh, be looked at by guys who are just coming into the NHL as an impact player. Um, and his leadership abilities uh, in his fourth NHL season – that's a tough task for somebody to be asked. Uh, and if you're looking at Jeremy Carlton and, and he makes the decisions here on who's going to get the A, you know, that, that speaks volumes to things that you don't see because you don't see the conversations that Alex DeBrinkett has with the coaching staff on a day-to-day basis or the role that he has in practice when guys are uh, doing stuff on the ice. And if he's doing those things early on enough in his career, when you when you look at this Hawks roster to be included in that group right now, um, that's some pretty impressive stuff. And, and I think that speaks volumes to uh, not only his work ethic, but specifically this year, the type of role that he's taken on this team. Again, we just spent, you know, what, 20 minutes talking about Patrick Kane's ability to uh, jump into a leadership role after being in the NHL for, you know, 10 plus years. And now we're talking about a guy in, in Alex Debrinkit who is, is also – a pretty damn good goal scorer in and of himself, uh, stepping into a leadership role on this team that, uh, you know, he's only been in the league four years. This isn't, this, this isn't something that you would have really expected going into this year. Like is Alex to a leader? Probably not. And I think that there's, there's definitely some injuries that, that have led him here because man, if you've got Brent Seabrook on the ice, you know, that the A is there. If Andrew Shaw's on the ice, the A's probably still residing with him, I think, a little bit over a guy like Alex Debrinkit. But still, at the same point in time, like there are some other guys who have been around the league a little bit uh, who, who could just as easily uh, be slapped at A on their jersey, um, and, and guys would just have to deal with it and, and go with it. Um, th- this one does speak uh, to, I think, some of his off-the-ice stuff as, what, as well as what he's done on the ice. Very well said. And yes, you are correct. Uh, Andrew Shaw was wearing it before uh, he was sidelined. And um, obviously, um, Murphy has gotten you know some looks with it there. But I agree. Uh, other guys that could very possibly uh, be on that. You could just go and look at defensemen who have been around. I mean, you could even 
say, hey, Kelvin DeHaan, he could be a candidate for that. So um, that was the know, name I was going to go with was Kelvin yeah, DeHaan. I, I mean, it's just, you know, veteran guys that have been around. Uh, that's uh, very well could be. I know Soderbergh's only here on one year, but hey, if you're talking leadership, now that he's stepped up lately, that, that could be another one. I don't think, you know, they would do that. They want to go with the more core piece, but I don't yeah. either, Johnny, but I'm happy you brought that one up because if there is another veteran guy who's around that like some of these young guys could lean on, it's Carl Soderbergh. And I was yeah. afraid to say that. I wanted to bite my tongue a little little bit but i don't think like I, let's be honest we've watched teams rebuild before like we've watched teams go through um you know it's not just the hawks this is you know other sports football baseball all that stuff you get a guy like carl soderberg in here if patrick kane isn't on this team and you're just kind of like going through the motions like he's to me he seems like that kind of obvious guy to throw an a on yeah like he's important here because he's old yeah (laughs) that's true though that's that's kind of the way it works seniority system uh in that so i'm Wrapping all this up, I think it just goes back and speaks to um, Alex Brinkett's uh, both on and off ice leadership abilities. So uh, good for uh, the cat and, uh, you know, to keep the production up because uh, we want to be right about this bounce back season all year. Uh, don't go cold on us now, cat. So um, let's move on to our next topic here. And this is the blue line report. Uh, we're looking at a guy pretty hotly contested you know, within the Blackhawks fan base. And this is Nikita Zadorov, of course, receives a bunch of criticism. Some of it warranted uh, when you see blatant errors on the ice, but overall been fairly productive. One goal, five assists, six points so far on the year. Um, we, we had a discussion with our fellow panelist, Ron Luce, when we were all together Saturday night watching the game. And um, it was kind of around the topic of should Zadorov be a lock for the lineup every night, especially when guys like Bodine are now down at Rockford. So, um, I had a response to this about a tier system in place of with where veterans stand and uh, also the injury factor of there are going to be more injuries down the line. This won't be, you know, the Bodine going down now isn't the last time uh, we've seen uh, him in a Blackhawk sweater for the year. But I, I wanted to get your thoughts a little bit on uh, Nikita Zadorov so far. We know we've talked about the Jekyll and Hyde, all of that stuff, uh, but uh, go, go ahead and narrow it out a little bit. So, Johnny, uh, it, it... This one's hard because I, I do see the criticisms. And I think that the reason that I see some of the criticisms in Zorov's game is it's a very similar style that I play when I play NHL. And I'm specifically in my EASHL league is I play an over oversized power forward who doesn't know really how to pass. He doesn't really know how to play much defense, but he'll body you into submission, but can also like snipe it. And we saw that this weekend. We saw Zadorov snipe. The guy is all over the ice. He's a physical force. So I know all the complaints that I get from the guys that I play NHL with when it's like, okay, like why did it take two minutes for this guy to fucking turn around on the ice? He looks like a fucking boat out there. Why did that pass just go errant? Why was he not in the right position? Well, because he's not fast enough to get there. So slow down for a second. Let's think about the value this guy provides. A, nobody's going to fucking mess with this guy because he's huge. Two, he can take a booming slap shot. Three, he's going to find the back of the net sometimes. And four, he takes away space from people because he's so large. Like there's so many benefits to Nikita Zadorov's game that just go unnoticed because everybody wants to take the time to complain and say, we traded Brandon Saad for for this oversized guy who's going to have some mental lapses and isn't you know the, the best hockey IQ guy on the ice. That's understandable because would I make that trade? No, but – you know, Stan Bowman going to Stan Bowman every now and then. Uh, and I think that we hear it a lot more here, Johnny, 
because of how big a fan Ron Luce is of Brandon Saad. So I think it skews my vision just a little bit. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm hot right now. Uh, you know, think things do happen uh, every now and again. And Stan Bowman makes a trade for a guy that he thinks can be a valuable piece to this. And I remember the reaction that uh, Blackhawks D-Zone had in our, our Four Feathers group chat the minute that this trade went down. Because he got to the chat before Ron Luce did. And that might be because Ron Luce needed to be put on like gastric bypass for like two seconds because his heart exploded when when Brandon Saad was traded and uh, uh, Austin was able to get there first. But the first thing he said is Nikita Zadorov is the type of guy that could become a fan favorite in Chicago real quick. Now, has that happened? Absolutely not. I think that that statement uh, will not be made true. Uh, just based off the initial reactions. And we know how Blackhawks Twitter responds to things. But I, I'll go in that camp kind of with Austin here and say, like, he's one of my favorite players. Is he is he, is he going to wow me every time? No. Is he a guy that I can complain about a lot? Yes. Does he come up with some big plays? Is he the guy that I want to see, you know, Chuck Nux with other guys? Yeah, because hockey fights are cool and tough. And I like having that type of play around, especially when you can add a little bit of skill to it. We saw one of the prettiest snipes so far this year off of Nikita Zdorov's stick. I liked, I like what he brings to the table. I like that type of essence. I mean, I, I'm going against myself and when I talked earlier about Patrick Kane and the style of play. Of, of today's NHL. I don't think Nikita Zororov fits in as well as most do, but I, I do still see that importance of a big guy on the blue line. Yeah. And that's kind of the, what Austin was driving at in his article, uh, physicality matters. And for the aforementioned reasons that you had uh, just outlined there, the um, you know, just the time and space, I think that's big too. And who you're going to meet when you chip the puck in. Um, because it can be uh, e- easy if it's just, uh, you know, kind of uh, oh, all of our forwards here are like six, five, nine to like six, one. And they're like between, you know, um, one, like 75 and 200. And it's like, no, Nikita Zadorov's like six, six and he's 235 and he'll run you into the fifth row. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, a, I'm like a 5'10", 175 pound guy. If I'm on the ice and I've played hockey a few times, if I'm on the ice and I've got somebody else that's out there that's six, six, you know, 250 and I see him. Uh, you know, back there, like, I'm not going to the net, Johnny. I'm not going to the net because I don't want to be fucking knocked over. I don't want to, I don't want to find myself yeah. in a corner with this guy. Like there, there's just something to be said about the security of it. And you know what? It offers protection to star players like Patrick Kane. Like th- yep. th- this is just, you go back through the history of hockey and yes, the game was more physical before you saw a lot of different builds on players, but like I go back to the John Scott days when he was roaming around in, the, in a Blackhawks uniform and you just, you felt secure. The guy could play two minutes and sit in the penalty box for five, but those five minutes of, of, you know, fighting penalties that he got secured the fact that nobody else was going to take a cheap shot at Patrick Kane and the Hawks were going to be without him for two months because he had a broken collarbone. Like we've seen that happen before. So, you know, I, I, I like, I like having a guy like that and I'm not comparing those two guys together in the sense of their style of play. Cause I think that there is a vast like difference in skill there, but Having that 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 physicality, I think, is the perfect word for it. Having that physicality, having that size, just it sets a different tone for your team. 
Yeah, and th- that kind of all wraps up the physicality still matters side, and I think uh, it's important to touch on that. Um, but then when you're looking at production too, I'd already mentioned the one goal, five assists. Um, uh, you know, do, doing uh, uh, well above what some uh, defensemen, you know, what uh, Lucas Carlson or um, some of the other guys that have been in the mix, uh, you know, kind of being non-factors on the score sheet there. And then you go and look at the uh, goals for and goals against uh, while these guys are on the ice, and uh, it, it's changed now. Um, you know, after the season, obviously Nikita's door scored one so put him uh, one more up in that category and then however many he was you know on the ice against for uh, over the totality of this past weekend against Detroit uh, but overall those numbers were positive he was the only defenseman who had played in all uh, games to date um, leading up before this weekend series uh, that was positive uh, in those numbers so now not every single one of those is exactly a direct result of Nikita Zadorov there um, but it just I think that can at least help uh, fans understand, well, why does Jeremy Calden go back to Nikita Zadorov and why is he one of our ice time leaders tonight, even though he's had two giveaways and, you know, maybe one of them led to a good scoring chance against. It's like, well, you know, first of all, the physicality element, that's, you know, definitely there. If, if it's not there, um, you know, Patrick Kane may be injured and the Blackhawks are sunk uh, right now um, at this point in the season. So there, there's that. And then also um, there are other, you know, obviously factors that are leading to uh, him being on the ice in the Blackhawks score and uh, not on for as many uh, when they get scored against. So um, I just wanted to outline that um, it's a combination I've, of the, the numbers, one, the eye test, all that stuff. What about I've got that? one, I've got one more thing to say. He's also only 25 years old coming off of, you know, he's a first round 16th overall pick defenseman. Like there is some hockey skill here. Mm-hmm. Like you're talking about, a year where the Blackhawks are supposed to be rebuilding and evaluating talent. You've got a, 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 a pretty young blue liner who's a first round pick. Like I, I don't, it's, it's his time. You want to go back to uh, Nicholas Bodine and, and look where his, you know, development is. And some of these other guys like Nikita Zadorov, if he was drafted in this organization would probably be given his chance, maybe about a year or two ago, like when he came into the league, um, and be riding that right now. Like, I think he's got that spot on the totem pole. Yeah, that's kind of the, the tier system uh, yeah. that I, I was discussing there. And guys who, and he, t- Tony, he's been around longer too. Uh, they, the Avs brought him up early. I mean, he was, he was playing, uh, you know, plenty of seasons. There I was, before. I was talking about the Hawk system. I don't yeah. think he would have made, I don't think he would have made it here until about he, maybe a year or two ago. Yeah. So, you know, just think about where he is on that uh, kind of, you know, like he said, totem pole. That's a good word for it too. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, that that's uh, kind of all the stuff taken into consideration. I guess my one last question here uh, before we um, move on to some other topics is, uh, is he worth bringing back? Because right now uh, it's 3.2 million cap hit. Uh, it's only this year. He's a restricted free agent after, so they'd have to work out a new deal for him. Um, I wouldn't say just yet. And there's still, you know, more season to go. They don't have to make these decisions today. But if we were sitting here, um, I would say, you know, concern, I would say, honestly, though, I would lean back. Yes, but no, no big contract and kind of bridge uh, for this guy and where he's at. Mm, six million, uh, no movement clause. Okay. Yeah. See that. <laughs> and you know what? Those are all legitimate fears of where Blackhawks fans go uh, with this. So. Yeah. No, I had to throw that out there because I, I think that that's a fair assessment for Blackhawks fans to be yeah. worried oh, about yeah. because you, you Coming off that, coming off that deal, here's a five-year, you know, at at five six for Nikita Zorov with a no movement clause for three years, and you sit there and you go, we're putting ourselves back into cap hell. So yeah. you know, no, there's, there's assessment to be made. 
Yeah, definitely. And there's still time to do it. We're, we are not halfway through the season yet. Um, so I just wanted to you know throw that out there because that's going to be a burning question that will come up uh, down down the line here. So um, right now I, I would lean toward it, but obviously on more uh, of the shorter term and the not big money. Um, I think anybody would if you're playing armchair GM. But um, I just wanted to air that out. And maybe one um, factor, obviously, they're not the same player, not the same position. But, you know, you'll get a contract like Dominic Kubalik got. And um, I think that's something that people could, uh, if you get that in that realm for a defenseman um, in that kind of term. So you're not making a massive overhaul uh, commitment or pushing out other guys there. Um, I think that could be reasonable. And um, even the naysayers could maybe uh, stomach that one a little bit better. But yeah, I do agree that the big money uh, could be a a, uh, deterrent for, you know, even wanting to see him do well uh, this year uh, for some people, just given Stan Bowman's history with those. So here's my question for you, Johnny. Uh, If the Hawks continue to uh, play at the pace they are right now, and we're heading towards the trade deadline. Uh, is Nikita Zadorov a guy that you want to move off right now uh, for something else? Or is he, I, I think the, the most realistic thing is that he stays here through the trade deadline. But is he somebody that you would want to see the Hawks shop around? Or conversely, if the Hawks were in the basement right now in, in their division, uh, is he the type of guy that you would have wanted to see traded? Yeah, so I mean, that's a tough situation because I think we all thought the Blackhawks were just going to be pretty much sellers of uh, pretty much all of these pieces. I mean, you could go beyond Zadorov, uh, Matias Yenmark, to Lucas Walmark, to uh, some of the other guys that are even my guy, Ryan Carpenter. Everyone's looking for a you know, defensive center uh, they could, you know, use or, you know, penalty killer, whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's tough right now, though. Um, I mean, I think you're just staying the course. And I think that's kind of going to be more of the mentality for the Blackhawks instead of this kind of, you know, more or inclination to sell, I think as a whole, uh, it's going to be more kind of hold on and maybe move one or two guys. I could see Matthias Yenmark uh, being one, but even he, he's been integral. He's what, you know, third tied for, uh, excuse me, tied for fourth uh, on the team uh, in scoring there. And he does, you know, kill some penalties, play in different areas. So uh, it's tough. You're going to have to choose your options. But honestly, if we're looking at this, um, most realistic to go, I would think would be Carl Soderberg, um, that, that veteran presence. He's playing well enough, uh, putting up numbers to have that value. And he would recoup. Uh, some, you know, kind of long-term capital for him. So uh, as for Zadorov, though, I think it's kind of uh, sit and wait with him because uh, you have the RFA status. If he's a UFA, I think this is a different uh, conversation, Tony. But with the RFA status uh, coming up, I would probably just say uh, no one to hold them. So I'm going to go there, Johnny. I'm going to go there. Hawks rattle off five of their next six. You're Stan Bowman. Everybody going into this season says like, okay. And I think Stan set his roster accordingly when he made some of these deals going into this season. Uh, You named all the players. You named all the main trade targets. Stan was going to attempt to sell off assets at this deadline, assuming that the team was going to be in the basement. Do you add, if you're Stan Bowman and you're in a playoff spot at the trade deadline, maybe second or third, um, you know, in there. not. I don't think they're going to catch the top spot, but if you're Stan Bowman, you've got a playoff spot looking at it at the trade deadline. And I think in an extended episode, this is the type of time where we can discuss this. Do you maybe try and add something? And, and what type of value do you think that the Hawks even have to try and go chase that? Like where, where do you, where do you trade from? Is it draft picks? Is there somebody on this roster that you can use or some younger guys that you can use uh, maybe in the minor leagues that you're a little bit more well versed on than I am. 
uh, that can go fetch you something that's going to be a key piece down the stretch, or, or are we not even going to go there? Uh, I would say it'd be conservative buyers if they were going to buy. Honestly, I would still hold the kind of uh, uh, no one to hold them uh, mentality here. That's kind of what I would just see with, oh, well, this has gotten us here thus far. Uh, It'd be very minor on either subtractions or additions. So if you're asking if the Blackhawks are going to be big buyers, no, absolutely not. Um, And uh, but if if they were to field some, uh, you got to look to your depth um, and what areas are strong and what areas are weak. And you when I look at the defenseman prospect pool, I know uh, people are saying that, you know, oh, it's, you know, the game's moving in the faster and all that. And you got a, a bunch of all these guys. Well, not every single one of them is going to have a spot. You only play six, seven at most uh, when you're, you know, uh, on the ice here. I mean, that's just the, the game of hockey. So you're looking at Alec Regula's, you're looking at Nick Bodine's, you're looking at, um, you know, uh, kind of some of those other guys that are in the white Kelly knock, the guy that, you know, just signed who did, didn't sign with the Flyers eventually uh, came to the Blackhawks uh, and he's playing with uh, Rockford or via the taxi squad, whatever. He's kind of jumping back and forth through there. So those are the types of guys that you would only be shopping. And what's that bringing you back? Minor returns and uh, maybe a late round pick if you really had a piece out there that you wanted. But overall, I would say no, very conservative buyers uh, at the best. And, um, you know, kind of uh, minimal sellers is probably the window uh, of where they'll be in at the deadline. But that, that's just my opinion. That's how I see it shaken out. Um, obviously, there could be some run that sparks it. And they say, hey, we're getting fans back. We want to have this you know, thing ramp up. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell the whole farm uh, for that or draft picks for that matter. So you bring up the, the fans coming back. And there were reports today that we may see fans as early as April in the UC. Um, we, we haven't really touched on that much, but – uh, how how magical will that moment be for you, Johnny? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, you, <laughs> you're sending me from a mind pretzel question, something that's so straightforward. I said I would pay double for beers if I could be back for just one game this year. Um, yeah, so that, that tells you where I'm at because those UC beers ain't cheap. Um, so I would be over the moon, and I would absolutely love uh, to go and be able to see this team live because they're very exciting. Even, honestly, I'll be – frank with you just the way that my fandom is even if they were trash i would still be back just for the experience but them playing well on top of it would make it um magical that's that's the best word to describe it yeah i, I needed to get that answer johnny i think we uh we both kind of feel that like it can't wait to get back to the uc with you man um for for those who have uh followed johnny and i uh, on four feathers uh my last professional game that i went to uh was with johnny uh, the United uh, United Center experience. We got to go down on center ice. We got to do some really cool stuff that night. We sat in the penalty box, did a bunch of cool shit uh, last February. Uh, just looking back, uh, that was about a uh, year and two weeks ago uh, to the day. Um, uh, that was just such an awesome time and uh, really took that for granted uh, at the moment uh, because I thought there was going to be at least a couple more uh, Hawks games that I was going to make it to that year. And uh, as both of us are White Sox season ticket holders, we get out to uh, professional sporting events quite a bit. And uh, the last year, uh, as we all know, has been really rough on everybody. But it's good to see uh, that we're getting some fans back in the stands. Uh, seems like across the city of Chicago um, on this upcoming baseball season. And it looks like the, uh, the NBA and the NHL season will also uh, kind of quickly start to work to get uh, people back to the United Center, um, and we'll see what happens with the Bears. But you know, Johnny, it's it's going to be awesome uh, to have that whole experience back, and I, I think it's going to take a little bit 
to get it back to what it was before. I expect it's going to be, you know, minimal when we start. It's going to uh, start to ramp up a little bit. But I think uh, that first game when we have full capacity uh, and, and Jim is singing the national anthem, uh, that that anthem roar, uh, that first game where you've got a sellout wow. crowd back at the UC, man, I, I'm getting goosebumps just I, thinking about it. It's going to be a fucking awesome experience. Yeah, I was just going to say, if it, my hair is uh, standing up right now. Um, you know, uh, it's you, – you, you'd – put it uh you know perfectly and i think this it gives everybody a newfound appreciation for being able to socialize in general that uh but then what it means to you while you're there uh you might start to take them for granted and just think that the next one's coming like you'd said oh i expected to go to a few more i expect to go to a few more at the end of last year too we were planning a four feathers meetup uh for one of those last home games so um you know i, I will uh definitely not take it for granted uh when we can be back and uh i will have some of the most fun that I will ever have uh, in my life. When we talk, uh, people have said it's going to be the roaring twenties effect as soon as the pandemic's like officially over. Um, I can totally see that in a sports realm uh, happening, especially across Chicago. Exciting shit happening with the Blackhawks. Uh, Zach Levine's an all-star for the Bulls. White Sox are going to be really good. Um, you know, Cubs, if that's your thing, uh, you still got KB around for this year. Uh, Avi Baez and, uh, you know, uh, the Bears could have a new quarterback. Who the hell knows? But either way, it's going to be like the Roaring Twenties for sports as well as the rest of society. Yeah, it's going to be good times. Uh, I'm sorry to go off on that tangent. You talked about, you know, fans coming back and everything. I know we were talking about trades before it, but uh, sometimes it's good to to take uh, a little step back and look at where we are in life uh, and mm -hmm. not even just sports. Yeah, but we could bring that back, though. It's like, does that decision that fans could be back, does that affect Stan Bowman's mentality at all? And I think I think we could, we, you and me can both sit here and say it shouldn't too much because John McDonough is not leaning over his shoulder anymore. Yeah, I agree with that. But I also, like, I can also see that point, Johnny, too, where it's like, okay, we're getting people back here. It looks like we haven't really missed a beat because we've also had the discussion. Do the Blackhawks make these moves in order to try and kind of rebuild on the fly here during the pandemic, knowing like the business side that it's going to hit. And and while John McDonough was a prime proponent of that, I still think that if you look at the Wirtz family and the history behind the Blackhawks and their, their, their tenure as the owners, like a lot of the decisions that have been made for this, this team have been around the business that, that is the Blackhawks. Like let's not like, and I know, I know he's gone. But let's not televise games because we're not going to see any revenue out of that. Let's bring in a marketing expert like John McDonough and couple it with, you know, our best chance at winning to maximize revenues during this. Like th- those were business decisions that were made by the Blackhawks. Like they didn't have to have all the cool shit that they had while they were good. They knew that it was time to strike, and that's why John McDonough was here. They knew that right now is not the best time to have a marketing guy who knows how to put butts in seats because we were in the middle of a global pandemic. What's going to happen when we come out of this thing? And, you know, these are valid questions to ask as fans. Like, what's going to happen? Did they know that we were going to have fans back this early? Maybe they're caught on their heels. They didn't expect to have this team performing at the level that it was right now. So, you know, I I don't envy Stan Bowman's position at this very moment because he's got a team that's overperforming a lot earlier than it was expected. They don't have the pressure of putting butts in seats from the business perspective. What happens the minute that this thing opens up when you're caught between, hey, here's this team that could, you know, literally revert at any point in time, Mm -hmm. literally revert at any point in time into being, you know, Detroit Red Wings level bad right now, but you're holding on to a playoff spot. 
do they rush to secure this thing in order to have butts and seats when it's playoff time? That's a, yeah. that's a valid question. And, you know, another good point to kind of pile on here and make this even more of a quagmire is Danny Wirtz is still in charge. Uh, I mean, you know, that he was the interim uh, when they, you know, can John McDonough uh, during the uh, kind of layoff uh, between uh, the regular season being cut short and the playoffs starting. And they went in that direction. They said it was going to be interim and now they restructured it. So it's like a three headed, uh, you know, with Bowman at the head of hockey, uh, you know, made himself his own boss basically. And then you got uh, obviously uh, Danny Wirtz there uh, top. And then they have Jamie Faulkner there uh, on the business side um, to do that. So that that was a whole restructure depends on how they're going to do that. Um, I mean, you know, it's just a question uh, with with a Wirtz in, in that position of power right there. So uh, yeah, all burning questions for Blackhawks fans, all good questions. But if you ask me, in my opinion, what I just foresee realistically, mostly hold the line. That's kind of where I'll, take my stand at no i agree with you and and i i think i just go back to the fact that like the blackhawks have not yet had to put an on ice projection show out there in front of uh plus fans or even more than that uh at any point in time during this whole thing so we don't know what that fan experience is going to be once it returns we don't know what the expectations are are set within the blackhawks organization for bringing people back out there hell we went from one goal to uh, a marketing slogan that we haven't even seen presented uh, yet during this entire year really uh, hammered down our throats. I mean, I remember one goal commercials playing on every single uh, break on the ice last year. And I, I have not seen that level of, of, you know, marketing drilled down into Blackhawks yeah. fans yet this year. There's no fan message right now. There's it's, it's really weird considering what we saw with John McDonough before, because you knew exactly what you were getting out of, I guess, the Blackhawks PR and marketing team, so to speak. Whereas mm-hmm. now, I think when you don't have that fan experience, when you don't have everybody knowing you know, what's going on within the UC, because that's an experience of itself. If you ask Blackhawks fans, you know, describe to me the 2010 through 2015 cup runs. You said one goal, Chelsea dagger after every goal. It was one goal projected on the ice all the time cheer the anthem still like there were all these things that just Blackhawks fans just knew. And right now, like you don't even have your captain. You don't have Jonathan Taves on the ice. This is Patrick Kane's team. We talked about that earlier. There's no fans there. We're not cheering anthems uh, live in the stands. Yeah. They're still playing dagger. We're not seeing one goal. Like where, where are we? It's a really weird mix. And I think that some of that all plays into like, where are we at? with this organization, not just on the ice right now, but like, where are they going? Yeah. I I like you bringing up these hypotheticals. I wish I had some answers for you to uh, give you straight up here, but uh, I think it's just interesting. All the points that you bring up about, um, you know, marketing uh, during this as well. And uh, you don't really think about that because you're not there. You're not experiencing the product in person uh, sort of aspect there. So, uh, you know, interesting to see which direction they'll go with that. Uh, But I will just say, I'll just clear this up. I'm glad it's not all for one. I'm glad they haven't been shoving that down um, because they came back with that uh, when they did the uh, playoffs, uh, you know, and they made the bubble last year. And luckily, you know, I guess, you know, of course I would have wanted them to go on a crazy run. Um, uh, that would have been fun just from a pure fan standpoint, but I'm kind of glad it only lasted a couple of weeks in there uh, gonna, because then we didn't have to hear that anymore. 
I'm gonna rip all for one. All for one was like, you know, like the guy leaves, John McDonough, obviously. He leaves. He had a, a wonderful marketing staff behind him. Uh, all those commercials were pro- like very professionally well done. We saw all of the the graphic design work that went behind all that stuff. And then you get all for one that looks like somebody typed it up in Word and like pasted it onto, you know, like the a, a photo of the Blackhawks and like they ran with the marketing slogan for like five minutes. It, it just didn't <laughs> sit well with me. Because it was just, yeah, you could just tell that it was subpar to what was going on before. It was, it was and there's what it was slapped together, and there was like one guy left, and they're sitting. The, the, the Blackhawks marketing team was sitting in a room at one point in time, and they're like, "Well, we need to move off of one goal because Danny Wirtz told us we had to." What should we do? And somebody in there like watched Three Musketeers just recently enough to say, "Well, like all for one, let's go." <laughs> Yeah, that's seriously what it feels like. And like I said, slapped together. That's the best way. So I'm just glad they're not using that, but we'll be interesting to see what the fan experience is like as soon as we can get back to the UC. And hopefully we can all do that and, uh, you know, share kind of that experience from Four Feathers. Um, because, uh, you know, we, we like being out there, like being in person, interacting with listeners, followers, all of that stuff. So um, can't wait uh, to eventually get back and experience what all this will be about. Um, but a lot of, uh, you know, questions outside of just hockey uh, raised because of the pandemic and now uh, kind of leaving the pandemic, which is nice. Uh, it's good to have these issues because that means a global pandemic is finally uh, subsiding a little bit. Not over yet. I know that. But, you know things are starting to get back to normal. And you see that uh, maybe the most normal thing for me ever is being in attendance at live sporting events. So um, that's all I have on this. Let's move on to our next topic here. And this is uh, the young guns and exceeding expectations. So we had talked about overall um, this year, the Blackhawks are exceeding expectations, Tony um, from Ben Pope on Twitter today. They started the season at 200 to one odds to win the Stanley cup per bet online. And they are now 40 to one. What has impressed you most so far this season? I think I kind of put these together because this can kind of um, double up because it's going to be what rookie impresses you most so far. But go first overall, what's impressed you most so far this season or surprised you most, I guess. Um, And then we can move into the rookies because they are going to be a big part of this. So I I don't think this one surprised me the most because I've been calling for this guy for a while now, and that's Kevin Lykanen. Uh, I think that that one's the most surprising to Blackhawks fans, though, in the sense that when Corey Crawford left, Johnny, like there was this massive hole. I think all of us expected them to ride Calendalia and Malcolm Subban uh, just through the entire year, maybe give Lykanen a few shots uh, in goal to kind of just get some experience but I, I, I more or less expected him to spend most of the year in Rockford. Um, and yet here we are watching him become uh, an NHL goaltender and a damn good one at that. Now, he started the year real hot. He's kind of cooled off a little bit. We've seen a lot of high-scoring games. but We've seen Blackhawks offense pick him up uh, once or twice so far uh, while he's, quote-unquote, struggled a bit. But Kevin Lykanen, man, he has been just exactly – what the doctor ordered when it comes to a guy that can step in, uh, create this uh, momentum behind him by, you know, via the fan base. I think he's becoming quickly a fan favorite in Chicago, especially amongst Blackhawks faithful who, uh, you know, just were a little bit worried when it came to uh, who was going to be the successor to Corey Crawford. I think we found that guy um, at least in the, in the short term in Kevin Lankinen. Uh He has been behind the net. Uh, in net during most of the uh, the Blackhawks victories thus far this season, uh, he's he's really come into his own as this this 
you know, guy who just is calm in, in these high pressure situations. I think Ron Lou says it best when he's like calm, cool, collected Kevin. Um, there's just, there's something about the way that the team plays in front of him uh, that just really, really sits well with you. When you read the starting lineup, when, uh, you know, Ben Pope tweets it out and says, you know, Kevin Lincoln in, in net tonight, like you're just like, okay, like I'm tuning into this one. I think, I think we've got a good shot to win. And you talk about the betting odds here. Um, you know, I've watched it. I watched the betting lines, uh, game in game out at the beginning of the season. You saw the Hawks, um, never really the favorite in any of these games. And, and now we're starting to slip into a time where you're not winning as much money, uh, on a black Hawks money line bet, uh, as we go down, uh, you know, midway through the season here. So you've seen an improvement. You've seen Vegas start to like this team a little bit more, uh, which says that they're playing well. And I think that the, that comes a lot on the back of Kevin Lykanen because when we started this season, we were talking about Malcolm Subban and Colin Delia splitting most of this stuff. Kevin Lykanen was the guy that I wanted to see be the breakout guy, the one that was going to benefit the most from somebody going down to COVID. Uh, these are all things that we talked about in our, our season preview episode. Uh, but he's the one who's on the ice every night, uh, you know, just making things happen when he's in net. And so that that's, Obviously, my pick. I'm curious to see who you've got. Yeah, so I, I want to completely rehash the same points, but I will go say uh, yes, uh, because first of all, it's kind of a no-brainer here, though, so maybe it's not as, you know, that this is the most surprising thing because uh, it was the biggest question was the goaltender situation. I'd predicted Colin Daly would probably be the most cons- guy consistently seeing time because he would give you the most consistent performances. Obviously, that has not been the case at all. He's only been in like, what, two, three games. Um, and then Kevin Lincoln and ticket and ran with it. And Subban provided some solid uh, backup performances. Um, obviously, most recently uh, had a little bit of a tough game on Saturday night against Detroit. But either way, yes, Kevin Lincoln and for all the reasons that you just mentioned there and just providing some stuff stability in net. Um, they wouldn't be where they are in the standings without it. So that's one. And then second one is Brandon Hagel uh, being consistently um, with that level of energy and effort. And I know um, that's kind of an internal thing for him, just the style that he plays. Uh, but I've seen too many guys, especially forwards that come up and look a little bit flashy and then fizzle out. Um, so I hope that's not the case as we move on through this, Tony. Um, but I go back to a guy last year um, that he had his, I call him a one-hit wonder now, Matthew Highmore. Uh, his one hit, unfortunately to me, uh, was just that run in the bubble uh, when he had like, you know, three goals uh, for a guy that didn't score very much at all in, in the regular season before that. Um, and now, you know, you're seeing him, what, he's only got like one assist maybe, two, ass- two assists on the season? Yeah, so that, and no goals for Matthew Highmore. Um, you got Brandon Hagel taking over that now. And it's more than just being the right place at the right time. He does do that because he does put himself in the right situations. He plays hard, does the right things. Um, but you see the compete level all the time. And it's leading to, even if it's not ending up in the back of the net, it's leading to a scoring chance. He's putting pressure on the goalie, making him freeze the puck there. So I want to see that continue, but that is definitely surprising. I didn't, I guess, I expected some of these young guys to step in and contribute. But I guess I didn't expect the consistent all the time in your face style uh, from Brandon Hagel. So uh, that's where I'll go with surprise here. Brandon Hagel would would have to be my number two uh, if we're talking about this behind Kevin Lincoln. And and Johnny, I think when I developed the cool and tough award, it was basically because of the play that Brandon Hagel 
has been the style of play that Brandon Hagel has been exhibiting on the ice so far for the Blackhawks this year. Um, you and I were big fans of Drake Kajula. And I think for a little bit different reasons than we see out of Brandon Hagel, but I think the same sentiment is there. When we watch a hockey game, we like to see guys play hockey the way that it is meant to be played. And, and that varies by position that varies by build that varies by style. But Brandon Hagel is the type of player, man, that like is so underappreciated on a hockey team, just the same way that a guy like Drake Kajula is, or even an Andrew Shaw early on in his career is. Uh, and if you want to go to the pinnacle of this, look at Dave Boland, uh, Four Feathers guest. Like we're talking about cool and tough players who play their roles very well. And, and Brandon Hagel is the type of guy who, again, I forget who the first one that I mentioned this with was, but if you take yourself into a Blackhawks playoff hockey run where they win the Stanley Cup, Brandon Hagel is, again, the type of guy who is one of those type of magical runs away from being a household name in Chicago. Uh, I think that was Cahoon uh, that, that we talked about a few years ago, where this guy plays his role well enough where, if given the right circumstances, will be in the right spot to make the right play in a playoff game. That's that's what I see out of Brandon Hagel already because the kid's work ethic is phenomenal. You never see him uh, not hustling towards a puck in the corner. He just does the right things. And he's able to break out and create enough space to get himself a breakaway, which is good enough for a chance. Those might only be buried one out of five times because he doesn't have the hands to put it away. But guess what? He's getting there and other guys aren't. So that gives him that edge right there. Um, I, I love his style of play. I think he kind of propels some of that mentality. And Johnny, you want to talk about the youth overall. This isn't just one guy. Youth on this team has been, I think, the most encouraging thing because you're seeing guys going into the rough spots. You're seeing guys not give a shit about their bodies right now. And unfortunately, it takes some younger guys to do that because as you <laughs> age, like I'm going to be that. honest. We, we just celebrated my 30th birthday over the weekend, Johnny, and we watched the Hawks play the Red Wings, and it was phenomenal. But I'll tell you this. My mind works a little bit different than it did when I was 22 to 25 years old. Yeah. Like there's a little bit of that edge and that danger that you'll go in and, and just get the job done versus the guy who's 32 um, and just wants to pull back because that hit ain't worth it right now. I'm not going to do that because I'm going to be sore for three or four days, and I've got to wake up, and my kid's going to be up. Like the youth here – has been so outstanding in providing the Blackhawks that little bit of edge that they need. I don't know if you've got any comments on that one either, but that's just my observation. Yeah, and I kind of 2010 vibes a little bit, you know, um, obviously a little bit different. You had some guys who are a little bit older than where some of these guys are right now, but, you know, kind of in that same range in the low to mid 20s um, in there that will be willing to take those risks. And Brandon Hagel is a perfect example of it. Another thing, just building on him, because I had to bring it up when you were talking about uh, the playoff kind of uh, looking forward to uh, what he could offer during that. He'll be the type of team that an opponent will absolutely fucking hate after a seven game series. That's yes. exactly what Brandon Hagel is going to bring and he'll chip it. He's not afraid to get physical. We saw him fight Patrick Line, um, which I didn't think he, he would uh, you know, respond. But um, hey, that happened a couple of weeks ago. So we know uh, he's willing to bring that and he, he will just be a menace uh, in front of the net and he'll eventually score some greasy goals uh, that will end up being big playoff goals. So uh, that, that just kind of wraps up my uh, surprise there uh, for it. And I do need to give a shout out to uh, Mr. Pia Suter because, hey, Rookie goal leader. I mean, uh, you know, 
you feel like sometimes it's like, oh, did uh, is Stan, are we really good at doing the European pipeline? And these guys with their performance are proving that they actually are. They are pretty good because you got Kubalik, who's second uh, or excuse me, third on your team in scoring right now. Um, and obviously he had a huge 30 goal rookie season. But then you get Pia Suter. He's in the lead for rookie goal scorers right now uh, with seven so far. And I know three of those came in a hat trick and a very early on against Detroit. But still, um, the guy shows skill. He saw that absolutely wire uh, that goal. Kane probably could have scored his 400th earlier in that game. But no, he saw Suter coming in and uh, Suter was able to wire to that inside post. So uh, that's another kind of uh, one a surprise i guess is be a suitor so um yeah that's about all i've got for uh this section uh the the next one is the big question is it sustainable and you know we're not going to know exactly until these games play out but we'll let you know what is coming up um as we get towards the down the wire in this episode and that uh first of all will be a three game set against tampa and then you go on the road two at dallas two at florida two at Tampa. That's going to be a grueling road trip back home for two against Florida um, and two against Nashville. And you finish it on the 30th of March home against Carolina. That is a tough month ahead, Tony. Can the Blackhawks sustain what they're doing right now? This is sustainable as long as Alexander Nylander does not make a return to the lineup anytime soon. I think that uh, we're fine as long as he's not here. That's my only, that's my only analysis <laughs> real hard-hitting analysis yeah no i'm pretty sure alex nylander's out for the full year uh he is starting to recover a little bit but nothing near um sorry that was that was a, that was a cheap shot that was a cheap shot <laughs> talking about the young guys and i'm like sitting there thinking i'm like who in this conversation uh you know probably feels the most left out that, that was probably him so i'm sorry for taking that shot is it sustainable though like i if i want to go real serious here for a second I think it is. I, th- I think it is sustainable as long as they continue to play that the way that they're playing right now. Uh, we've talked a lot about leadership. I think that's been a really common theme here. Uh, I think they've got the right guys to get it done. And there's something exciting about those guys who are in these leadership roles pretty much for the first time, you know, trying to, to tackle that. And they, I think that the Blackhawks have right now a hockey adrenaline rush. And as long as they continue to uh, beat up on the teams. Like if we want to get real simple here, we talk about this on socks on tap. We've talked about it on this show before. If you're beating the teams that you should beat, and then you're also splitting with teams that uh, are a little bit better than you. And we've seen that consistently so far from this team. Uh, you're, you're going to have a good time. Um, Patrick Kane, again, we've talked about this over and over again, the guy that can steal games. We've seen Malcolm Subban, steal games from teams uh is it sustainable yes are they going to i guess sustain top level of this no i'm I'm expecting a drop off here at some point during the year and i'm gonna go back to another one that we go to that's tried and true weather the storm that storm might last three or four games where they face adversity is going to be the key telling point i think you might see it during this stretch how are they going to manage through it like if we're only going to go, you know, two for six for a while, can you follow that with, uh, you know, five and one stretch of hockey? So th- that's where I'm at with it. Is it sustainable? Yes, but they have to prove it. That's it's on them. 
Yeah, well put. And uh, what gives me encouragement that they can at least uh, sustain. And like you said, I'm expecting a little bit of drop off in as in, OK, we were probably going to, I would imagine, a some sort of a split with the Tampa Bay Lightning in the series. I look at it after could easily see a split with the Dallas Stars and the Florida Panthers after that. So, yes, we were talking points wise because the Blackhawks were on a you know nice like five and like one like stretch before. Um, but also they had some easy teams in there and they also just had the Columbus Blue Jackets number uh, this past week, as we saw. So, um, you know, I think you might see a little bit of drop off there, but I'm very encouraged at the compete level after the first four games of the year. And even then, you could kind of consider those preseason games in in a way, because that's what it was. They completely flipped a different switch after that. And even if they did lose games, much more competitive. So, um, yeah, I I think you summed it up pretty well there. Um, I I think the compete level uh, can be sustained. Points will drop a little bit just because of the higher quality of competition, a few more splits instead of sweeps uh which you know sucks i'd love being able to say that blackhawks swept this team even if it is only a two-game series but um you know it's it's about weathering that and you know the schedule is not going to be that daunting forever um you know you're getting more jackets you're getting the red wings again you're getting another nashville they're they're struggling this year uh only a couple games intermixed there one against carolina a couple against dallas uh one against florida at the end one against tampa at the end so you you could do this and do your splits this month and then come out hot again and absolutely tear it up in April. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's sustainable. I think that's the, that's the answer, but I just wanted to get into the reasoning, uh, for why, uh, that is, you know, coming up. So you got any final thoughts here, uh, before we do our, what's, uh, on tap next in uh, six to click for, uh, this final game, any, any general broad things, uh, before we do our kind of, uh, standard, uh, get you set for the next game immediately here. Yeah, a couple of uh, other things that we we haven't uh, really broken into, and and the first one being uh, just a segue off of this is, you know, we haven't brought up the fact that uh, the Blackhawks have played a few more games uh, than everybody else so far. Uh, it seems like I think that they're tied. I don't I don't know tonight's uh, action, Johnny, or, or where this is going to stand when when people actually uh, get the time to consume this podcast. But the Hawks have played a few more games than some other people. Uh, you're looking at the standings right now, uh, and the Hawks are, are are in a playoff spot. We haven't really talked about playoff scenarios or all this other stuff yet because it's way too damn early to even talk about that. So I'm not going to consider the Blackhawks, quote unquote, a playoff team right now. Are they are they towards the top of the division? Yes. Uh, do they have some games in hand? Yes. But it's important uh, heading into this schedule stretch to weather storms, to take those splits when you can and uh, continue to drive games into overtime. Johnny, I think is going to be a key here for the Blackhawks. If you're looking at the playoff picture uh, long term, uh, we've done a pretty decent job of of staying competitive in games that you just mentioned. Like if if, if it's Tampa Bay, and we, we lose that series, but two of those games go into overtime and you take those points, those are going to add up. Those are going to be the difference at the end of this thing because you can see a team like Nashville maybe get hot. You can see Dallas, who you know started this year um, with a, a lot of scheduling issues. Uh, they've, got a, they've got a lot of games to make up, uh, come back and roar in. And if we're talking about a team that, that, that is competing for a playoff spot down the stretch, like every point right now especially in a short shortened season is sacred and i think so far the hawks have done an excellent job of of maintaining that um you just got to keep that mentality let's get a point out of every single hockey game we're playing and i think they're going to be good that's that's my 
most general statement towards yeah. that, Johnny. I don't know if you've got anything to add on. I, I just, uh, I mean, that's a good way to look at it. And, um, you know, it was more of a disparity earlier, Tony, um, when you're talking about the Blackhawks having games in hand. Those are definitely significant jumps there, especially, you know, when you go with a lower total in general, the, the percentage, you know, it, it can kind of spike uh, or, you know, really drop off uh, on you there. So um, right now, though, I'd say the league has done a decent job at getting some of these teams back here um, because the Blackhawks actually now have not played the most games. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings and Ottawa Senators uh, both have 24 under their belt. The Blackhawks are 23, which is, you know, the next highest total um, around, but several other teams have 23. But now we're seeing other teams creep up into the, they got 19, they got 21, and the Blackhawks don't play again until Thursday. So those games will, uh, as other teams continue to play this week, um, they'll kind of do a little bit of catching up there uh, to the Blackhawks. And for them to be able to um, kind of uh, go past that first threat of just saying, oh, well, it's just the games in hand thing. That's why they've had more opportunities. So obviously they're going to have more points. Uh, no, they're, they're sitting right now uh, with a lot of these teams um, having, you know, similar number of games here. Like the Edmonton Oilers have 28 points through 23 games. The Chicago Blackhawks have 28 points through 23 games. Yeah, and this is something that I looked at a little bit earlier today, which is why I was bringing it up. I was, I was kind of going over the standings, just looking at where things sit. Um, you know, you notice that uh, they do ha- they do still have a, a quite a few uh, more games than, than teams like Dallas. But the Oilers were the other team that I looked at because I was trying to find that that fair value point. Like where the where comp, do we yeah. actually sit? Where's that cop? And, and I settled on the Oilers. And I think that's a really good team to settle on because while it's a completely different team than we saw on the ice last year uh, for the Blackhawks, this is a team that beat Edmonton. Uh, when we returned to play uh, back in the bubble, Johnny. Um, and you look at both of those teams, where they're at right now and where the Hawks are sitting, uh, it's it's encouraging to look at. And I think that that's why we can start to kind of mention uh, this this kind of conversation down the stretch and what we look at with the trade deadline, what we look at, you know, uh, a playoff picture. It, this, is, this is absolutely awesome, I think, that we're talking about this and not – like what type of value are we going to get back for Yanmark? Like, because I thought that that's where we were going to be right now in this season. And the fact that we still have that hope alive is, is wonderful. Um, that's pretty much all I've got before we get into uh, what's on tap for the Hawks. Yeah, and those are all good points to bring up. I'm glad we went through and kind of discussed that kind of a benchmark of where are the Blackhawks actually right now. Um, and we, you know, getting the league, getting some of these other teams closer up to speed gives us a, a little bit better perspective on that. So um, I, I like it. I think that's a good one to go out on here as we look forward um, do our what's on tap next segment here. Um, that's obviously we had mentioned this in passing earlier, but the Blackhawks will be home hosting the lightning for three games. First of a three game set is Thursday, March 4th, 7 PM central time, NBC sports, Chicago, um, you know, uh, lightning. We, we know the caliber of team uh, that they bring in Tony, you, talked about how uh, they play that speed game uh, like us and obviously um, handed it to us pretty well in the very first two games of the year. But I'm expecting a much more competitive effort than we saw in those games because, as I kind of alluded to, felt a little bit like preseason there. Yeah, no, did did feel like preseason. Um, but uh, the Hawks have the Hawks have come back, uh, stormed through the rest of their schedule and, uh, you know, played it as regular season i think that the uh that those those first games in the season johnny th- those hurt everybody um that that was that was a difficult time for everyone i don't know if you've got anything 
uh, on that. But uh, it, it level playing field there, though. Yeah, and uh, Lightning now come in 14-4-1, so they've obviously been taking care of business. 29 points um, sitting right there uh, with the top dogs in the league. They're number three, only Florida and Toronto ahead of them. So, um, yeah, and it's it's going to be tough. You know all the big names. Uh, Victor Hedman, Mikhail Sergachev on the back end, both of those guys can provide both offense and some other shots on defense. And then, obviously, up front, uh, you got Stamkos. You, you could go through and run through all these guys, and this is all without Nikita. Kucherov that they're doing it so that is why the Tampa Bay Lightning are my pick to win the Stanley Cup this year Uh, but hopefully the Blackhawks can uh, give them a little bit of trouble along the way here um, both now and uh, when they meet them again later in March so as we get to this uh, what is your stick to click for Thursday night who's getting it done stick to click on Thursday night Johnny this one's interesting Um, you know you like to go off the wall all the time and I feel like I've taken a lot of uh, you know, the, the, the safer picks, the the guys that are normally on the board. And I don't know if I've ever said this name before on Four Feathers Podcast, but I'm going Camp. David Camp. Oh, Austin Blackhawks D-Zone would be proud of you, my friend. Um, I like that. And uh, it would be really easy for me to kind of jump in this crowd uh, and go with Ryan Carpenter. But I don't want to jinx my boy. He's just coming off a two-goal game against Detroit um, in a big blowout win. Uh, looking good. He's getting some power play time with Andrew Shaw injured. Need that right-hand shot puck retriever. So I would, as much as uh, I'm talking here and praising my guy, Ryan Carpenter, I'd like to go with him. Uh, I'll move it back uh, up the lineup a little bit, though. Um, I will go with Alex to bring it. Um, I talked about his importance, how, you know, they're going to need him. I went with him, uh, and in our last pick, you know, that was before Saturday. We didn't do the recaps for this. So no Sunday picks. I went with him Saturday. I'm just doubling down, uh, going back to it. The cat, uh, he did break free and scored that goal on Saturday. He's just so integral because you, you get a good team like Tampa Bay. They know who to key in on. They know that, you know, in the early season games, they knew if they stopped Patrick Kane, they were stopping the Blackhawks. So they're still going to be doing that, but you get that supplementary stuff. Uh, who's your number two guy, Alex Dabrinkit, um, especially if you're taking advantage of power play opportunities. I'm running it right back with him. So maybe Carpenter down the line a little bit, um, to see a little bit more, maybe one where he's not coming off that game so I can get him to ramp back up, maybe a team that's a little more penalty prone uh, to do that against. But, uh, yeah, I'll go with uh, – Alex to bring it. That's it. So I like it. I like it. I'm going to, I'm just going to give the reasoning behind my camp thing. Tell me if I'm crazy, but uh, you know, he, he's kind of more of your, your shutdown guy. I think he's going to get more opportunities to see some ice time uh, in this, this series. But uh, uh, I think that, you know, just the, the offensive power that Tampa Bay has, you're going to see more camp, which means that there's just going to be more time on the ice for him to maybe get a lucky one. Uh, so that's where I'm at with it. I'm yeah, you're, you're going to be needing him to shut some things down. And, hey, I don't think we've seen a shorthanded goal uh, for the Blackhawks. They've come close, so that, that could also be an option for camp. I always like those, like, sneaky ones. Shoot your shot. Yeah, and they've had some rushes, so we'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh, looking forward to it. It'll be Hagel that gets yeah. it. Yeah, hey, yeah, naturally. So um, that about does it for this episode of the Four Feathers podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed a little bit more drawn out um, extended topics here. Always good to touch on those and stuff. Uh, obviously, touching with the uh, 
play on the ice, but then also uh, discussing some of the things that, you know, like the pandemic affects us, our fan experience, being able to go back. What kind of product will the Blackhawks give us? So hope you enjoyed all of that. Uh, if you have any comments on it, you know, you can go and hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at four feathers pod and at on tap sports net um, and go subscribe, rate and review uh, the podcast wherever you listen. And you can get these right in your feed uh, with that subscription. So utilize it and don't miss a four feathers episode. We will be back with our usual post game shows. Um, obviously first one will be after Thursday night's game against these Tampa Bay lightning. Hopefully we are talking about a black Hawks winner. So Tony uh, speak your last uh, kind of breath here and we'll get out. Johnny, uh, Thank you for uh, for coming on over over the weekend. I know Ron was here as well. Uh, I've got to just uh, say it's awesome to take in uh, hockey with uh, the Four Feathers podcast crew uh, live in person and, and watch some games. Had a hell of a time. We drank so many beers. We watched a lot of hockey. I know it wasn't the outcome we wanted, but we got to see Patrick Kane score his 400th just shortly thereafter. Uh, you and Ron departed my house the next morning. So that was just an awesome weekend. It was an awesome weekend for Blackhawks hockey. Uh, this team has done an uh, excellent job of uh, drawing in uh, people to watch them thus far this year. Uh, I think that that's going to continue. Uh, it's awesome to kind of go into some extended topics. So uh, thank you to all that tuned into this and are, are still with us at, at this point. Uh, Johnny, let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks.